Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 6th of November 2011, entitled The Next 80 Years, and the Bible reading is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. Here's Brother Colin Pavitt. Well, good morning everybody. Thank you so much for the invitation for my wife and I to come and uh, be with you on this special anniversary day. Uh, I thank the Lord for each and every one of you who have a desire in your heart to come and worship God. Also thank the Lord this morning for Pastor Curtis. I've known him a good number of years. And boy, you folks are privileged to have such a man of God uh, preaching the word of God and loving you and looking after you for Jesus' sake. So thank the Lord for him and his family. And I was also so grateful that the roads were clear this morning as we travelled over and we were able to get here just in time for the uh, adult Bible class. I think that's what you entitle it. And uh, Brother Steve done a super job talking about assurance of salvation. What a blessing that was to come into the house of God and hear a fundamental doctrine and to be reminded again that if you don't know you're saved, you're not saved. Because anybody who is saved knows they're saved and they're going to heaven and that's irreversible. And so it was just a great joy to hear that being taught as we came in this morning. Uh, but for our thoughts this morning, the title of our message is The Next 80 Years. The Next 80 Years. If you would turn in your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy... 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 8 to begin with, and we'll be having a number of thoughts from this very precious book in the Scriptures. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and uh, verse number 8. And just a reminder, of course, that Paul wrote this uh, book to Timothy when he was a relatively young man, just starting off on God's calling as an evangelist, and Paul, of course, had, had, uh, had grown in the faith very much. He'd learnt a lot, and he was passing on some uh, things from God through the Holy Spirit to young Timothy uh, to try and warn him concerning certain things and to encourage him in his walk with the Lord. Now, here in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 8, Paul says uh, to Timothy and to us today... Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Now, of course, uh, today is your 80th anniversary, and I believe I'm right in saying it's also uh, the 21st anniversary of your pastor being here in this church, and thank God for that. Now, anniversaries, as a general rule, are great days to celebrate. If you're married here today, each of you husbands should know the date. It should be written in black ink when you got married. That's an anniversary. It's a date to celebrate. I remember when I was saved on November the 30th, 1980, that was my spiritual birthday. That's my anniversary. And you can be sure on the 30th of November this year, not too far away now, I will be celebrating. 
that God saved me from what essentially was a, a wicked lifestyle and a messed up lifestyle. And so anniversaries are good days. They give us an opportunity to thank God for his blessings in the past. And they also give us an opportunity to look forward to the future. Now, as we think about the 80 years that this particular church, Bethel Free Baptist Church, has, has been worshipping here, it, it reminds us surely to be grateful to God for all the saints who have worshipped here in bygone days. Thank the Lord for their witness. Thank the Lord that there was somebody who opened the front doors when there was a couple of feet of snow on the ground so that God's people could come and worship. Thank the Lord that people over the last 80 years who are now in glory and they've seen Jesus face to face, thank the Lord that they were here even in the difficult times. Thank the Lord that they stood firm even in the periods of persecution. Thank the Lord that the doors were still opened on a Sunday even when folks felt like perhaps was it worth it all? Now they know the song they used to sing, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus has come to fruition. So just thank the Lord for each and every one. Many, of course, who we don't know, but there will be that great reunion at the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation chapter 19 when we'll get to know them and we'll be able to shake their hands and we'll be able to say to them, thank you that because you were faithful, this church is still here to preach the Bible and to see people saved. And so there's a lot to be thankful for, and that was a great last chorus we sang, just give thanks to God himself. Now, of course, as well as looking back over the last 80 years and being grateful to God, it is a time to look forward to the future. And there's no doubt about it that we as Christians live in an extremely challenging time, financially morally and spiritually our country primarily is absolutely bankrupt both in a literal sense and a spiritual sense so as we've seen the great saints keeping the church open for the past 80 years we have to ask ourselves how are we this generation going to endeavor to keep this place open for another 80 years so that people can continue to receive the blessings of God. We're tucked away here in the book of 2 Timothy are some very important principles which Paul taught young Timothy so that he could continue a lifelong ministry of useful service for the Lord. And these principles here are equally appropriate for us as we think about coping with the next 80 years and how to keep Bethel Free Baptist Church going for the glory of God. And I'd like us to look at some of these principles this morning from 2 Timothy, which Paul wrote to this young man. And of course, in the end, we know that he had a fruitful ministry for God. So the first thing we can say this morning is, on your anniversary service, 
You need to pledge today, yes, this day, the 6th of November 2011, you need to pledge today not to be ashamed of Jesus for the next 80 years. We need to pledge that. You know, there may be people around the church who aren't that keen on the building here. There may be people when you're in the city centre next Saturday, they won't be too keen that Christians are there. But if you want to keep this place going, you must not be ashamed of Jesus for the next 80 years, which is going to encompass most of our lifetimes. Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. And we don't need to be ashamed. Let me tell you how you don't have to be ashamed. When the opportunities come round to go soul winning, make sure you're there sharing Jesus with people. When the opportunities come round to go street preaching, make sure you're there in the city centre supporting the church, not being ashamed of Jesus, just singing, Hallelujah! Jesus saves and he's given me a home in heaven and he's forgiven me of a filthy, rotten lifestyle. We don't need to be ashamed of Jesus. He's the one who's in the driving seat. Some Christians say to me, well, my religion... Preacher is, is very private. You hear that sometimes. My religion is private. If your religion is private, it isn't Bible-based Christianity. Because my Bible says that Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That means we have to shine as our life and we have to open our mouth to tell people about Jesus. That's not being ashamed, you see. And the only way in which people again hear about Jesus is if you and I tell them and the only way they're going to be reached and may be saved to come into this church and join this church and to keep it going over the next 80 years is for you and I to tell them there is no other way so on your anniversary service the first thing we have to do is to pledge not to be ashamed of Jesus for the next 80 years look at verse number 13 of chapter 1 here here's the second principle to adapt on your anniversary service Uh, Verse number 13 of chapter 1 of 2 Timothy says, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. We need to pledge on this day to hold fast to the truth for the next 80 years. That is very, very important. What does that mean? It means no compromising on what the Bible teaches. It means like God said to Joshua, turn not to the right or to the left, but stand on the word of God. That's what holding fast to the truth means. It means not caving in. It means not tickling people's ears. And it means not sacrificing the doctrines of the Scripture just to please men. Paul said that if we're man-pleasers, we cannot possibly be a, a, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so these are important principles in our day when everybody is watering down the Scriptures. Folks, you have in your hands this morning the inspired Word of God. Every word in here 
from the first word of the book of Genesis to the last word of the book of Revelation is given by God for our benefit, for doctrine and for correction and for reproof and there is no reason why we should alter this Bible just to please the government, to please some authority, to please some professional. There is no reason whatsoever. We need to stand on the truth. Those who have been coming for the last 80 years to this place stood on the truth. God has honoured that and that's why the doors are open this morning. Really really important. So don't compromise on the essentials of the faith. The third thing as we think about this anniversary today is we need to pledge today to be strong in the Lord and to continue that for the next 80 years. Have a look here in chapter 2 and verse number 1. The Bible says there, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This is important. You know, the Bible says so often that uh, when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth that he couldn't, he couldn't feed them with meat. He could only feed them with milk. Boy, the church at Corinth thought that they were the most spiritual church on the face of planet Earth. They apparently spoke in tongues. They'd done signs and wonders. Uh, They had interpretation and they had prophecy. And yet they were the most carnal church uh, in the New Testament times. There was gross sin in chapter 5. There was all sorts of abomination at the Lord's table in chapter 11. God had to call some to be ill. He even had to kill somebody. These were the spiritual church. And Paul said about that church, I cannot feed you with meat. I can only give you milk. Now, if we're going to continue here for the next 80 years, we need to be strong in the Lord. And the only way we can be strong in the Lord is to develop some spiritual muscles. I don't know whether you've noticed, folks, but there's a lot of people really concerned about their physical health today. And I can understand that to a certain extent. You know, uh, there's this diet over here, apparently, which we should be on, you know, uh, and over here, Rose and I had a bacon sandwich yesterday. I really enjoyed it. You know, it was great. I wasn't too concerned about the cholesterol. Thank God for bacon. Uh, And there's people all sorts of concerned about these physical problems, and you have to take cod liver oil in the mornings and vitamin C at night, and you have to do all these type of things. And it is good to look after our bodies because the Bible says we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. But actually, here, Paul, uh, Paul indicates to Timothy that we're to develop our spiritual muscles. We need to be strong. It won't be very long if you're not a strong Christian before the devil comes and knocks you over. It won't be very long before the Jehovah Witnesses come knocking at the door. And if you're not spiritually strong, boy, they may even sign you up. That's just how it is. How you going to get strong in the Lord? You've got to study this book. You've got to memorize it. You've got to take it into your And let me tell you something, each of us can do that. You do not have to go to some Bible college or some Bible seminary. I thank God for my time at Bible college, but I really didn't learn anything. Listen to that. I thank God for my time at Bible college, but I didn't really learn anything. 
Soon after I was saved, nearly 31 years ago now, somebody said to me, Brother Colin, you're a young Christian. You need to get to know this book. And I'm so pleased. Some of you may know that I'm going blind. Others of you may not. But I am so pleased that I got to know this book and that God, by his grace, allowed me to store it up in my heart so that when the difficult times come, then... I know his word and I can have the victory. I think the last song we're singing today is victory in Jesus. You can't be a victorious Christian unless you're growing strong in the Lord. So what we learned so far, on our anniversary service, pledge not to be ashamed of Jesus. On our anniversary service, hold fast to the truth. Don't cave in to some compromise and on our anniversary service, make sure that you stay strong in the Lord. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 15. Here's our next principle. Very similar. And it's very interesting that many of the modern versions of the Bible miss out the first word of this verse. You check it out. Very often the word study is missing. I can't understand why people read the modern versions of the Bible. I really can't. Just imagine the New International Version is two, 1 and 2 Peter shorter in the New Testament than the King James Bible. That's how much has been removed, folks. There's about 64,000 differences. God only wrote one Bible. So why is there 125 English New Testaments on the market? Makes you think, doesn't it? You know, all that does is cause confusion. But thank God that in this particular Bible, the King James Bible, which has been used of God for over the last 400 years, uh, includes the word study. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. And on this anniversary service, if we're intent on keeping Bethel Free Baptist Church open for another 80 years, we need to pledge to study for the next 80 years. All believers should know the key doctrines. If we were to do a survey this morning and I were to pass around a clean sheet of paper and ask you now to write down 10 key verses which teach that Jesus is God, would you be able to do it? If I were to hand around a piece of paper and ask you to write down on a clean sheet of paper 10 key verses which teach that the Holy Spirit is a person and God, would you be able to do it? Would you be able to write down 10 key verses concerning eschatology, the second coming of Jesus? You see, we need to study. Sometimes we have to turn off the computer. Sometimes we have to bin the newspaper. Sometimes we have to have a few television-free nights to study this book. And if we don't study this book, this place will not be open for the next 80 years. Let me tell you that for certain. But if you do study this book and you know the key doctrines, well, then you can have confidence when the Jehovah Witnesses come round, you'll be able to tell them that their new world translation is a corruption. You'll be able to tell them that their new world translation has additions. You'll be able to tell them all manner of things, and you'll be able to tell them that Jesus Christ was God, manifest in the flesh, and if he wasn't, he couldn't be the saviour of the world. You will be able to tell them. Why do we have Jehovah Witnesses over here growing up like weeds? And Mormons over here growing up like weeds. Why do we have the Roman Catholic Church, you know, with their priests 
in dresses and upside-down ice cream cones. Why do we have all of that? Because Christians, fundamental believers for the most part, have drifted from the Scriptures and they don't know the Scriptures. But here, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, you're on a tough task. He says to Timothy, you've got years ahead of you. You've got to preach the gospel, but if you don't know the scriptures, you won't be able to, and it won't be very long before you'll be at the ball game as a Christian. And so today we need to pledge to know this book. If you're able to come to the early morning adult Bible class, that was an excellent message this morning. That's the type of thing we need to be learning. Let me tell you today on that subject, if you asked a Muslim person if they knew they were going to heaven, you know what they'd say? I don't know. If you asked a Jehovah Witness if they knew they were going to heaven, they would say they don't know. If you asked a Mormon whether they knew they were going to heaven, they would say they don't know. If you asked a Mooney or somebody who follows Christian science if they knew they were going to heaven, they would say they don't know. But if you'd been here this morning at the Bible study, you could have said, Hallelujah! Brother Steve pointed out under the Spirit of God the verses which teach that we're saved and praise God for that. You see where I'm coming from? We need to know the scriptures. You young people here this morning, you need to know how to answer your pagan, unbelieving friends from the Bible. The Bible has the answer to every question. The Bible has no contradictions. If anybody tells you the Bible has contradictions, what that simply means is they haven't read it, folks. So we need to study this book. And then God will give us a confidence. That was a word Paul used sometimes, a word confidence, to be able to stand for Christ. Pledge today to do it. It's our responsibility to keep the doors open for the next 80 years if Jesus doesn't come. Look at something else here. Paul was giving these, these insights to young Timothy. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 16 here. The Bible says... And Paul was aware that these things would come. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And here Paul was saying to Timothy, as we should today, that for the next 80 years, we want to shun this stuff. Let me tell you, folks, the Bible's absolutely clear that it won't be very long before you're going to bump into somebody who basically tries to pour the rug from under your feet as regards what you believe. I think of psychology, you know. Folks come out of university now and they've got some, some degree in psychology, some degree in, in, in sociology, uh, you know, psychiatry seems to be really on the uptake. Uh, when I was a drunkard before I was saved, I used to go and see the head psychiatrist in the Northamptonshire health authority and you know what after many uh, interviews with him and consultations with him a he didn't do me any good and b i very soon soon learned that he had more problems than what i had you know the first thing to remember about a psychiatrist is most of them are nutcases really really important because they base what they apparently uh, propagate on their mind rather than the mind of God. I went to the AA, went to all sorts of people, and nobody at all could help me 
But thank God one night I met Jesus. And one moment I was a drunkard, two seconds later, 31 years ago, I was a teetotaler, and a drop of alcohol has never passed my lips since. That wasn't thanks to the health service and these head shrinkers. It was thanks to the almighty power of God. We need to very much be careful. Paul says to Timothy here, there's going to be a lot of profane and vain babblings. That includes the psychologist, the psychologist, and the sociologist. And of course, you young people also, and all of us really, we're faced with this problem of evolution, you know, that we, we apparently came from a tin of chicken soup a few billion years ago, and then we grew a couple of legs apparently, uh, and came out of the sea and started to walk on land, you know, isn't it absolute nuts? So people actually believe that, folks, you know, it's crazy. Now, people say to me, well, Brother Pavitt, surely you believe in the Big Bang Theory. Now, let me tell you this morning, folks, all Christians should, should, should believe in the Big Bang Theory. <gasps> Shock, horror. But let me also underline, not that the universe started with a Big Bang, but that the end of the universe is going to be a Big Bang when Jesus wraps it all up. <laughs> They're amazing. You see, we don't believe in the Big Bang Theory starting the universe. We believe that an omnipotent God created the universe. But, you see, there's going to be a lot of this uh, uh, babbling uh, uh, and ungodliness and all of these theories. But if we stand on the word of God, we know the truth. Isn't it great to think? As we were driving over this morning from Northamptonshire, the sun was shining, uh, and I was just praising God for another day of life, uh, and we knew we were coming here. Isn't it great to know that there's a God in heaven who's in charge, that he's in the driving seat, and that he loves us, cares for us, and directs us. I'm pleased about that. I'm pleased that I'm not an atheist like I used to be, because the Bible says in Psalm number 14 and verse number 1, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. And that must have been important, because the psalmist said in Psalm 53 and verse 1, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God repeated twice in the Bible. So uh, on our anniversary service, we need to shun some of this nonsense. And we just need to base what we know to be true on the Bible. And remember that, yes, there is a Big Bang Theory, but it's not at the start, folks. It's at the end when God deals and judges this earth. Now, uh, a couple of other things to think about. Look here in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 14, if you would. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 14. And the Bible says there in verse number 14, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And so here we learn uh, on our anniversary service that we're to, to continue. That word continue is very important. We've already mentioned that we, we need to continue as a church, and it's important that individually we continue. There's a Bible college in Chicago, in America. It runs around 3,000 people, 3,000 students when they're all there. And as the new, what they call freshmen, go into their first lesson, the principal gets each of the students to open up their dictionary. And he tells them to turn to the word quit, 
And when they get to the word quit, he passes round a set of scissors to each of the students and they are told to cut the word quit out of the dictionary. And the indication is there, of course, that as a Christian we shouldn't be quitting, we should be continuing. And so we need to continue. There are many Christians who seem to be dropping out today, but if you drop out, how's the church going to be here in 80 years' time? You think of some of the things in the Bible which would have been a disaster if people had quit. Think about God, for example, creating the heavens and the earth in six days. Supposing he'd quit on day number three. Would have been a mess, wouldn't it? You think about Moses building the temple, a tabernacle. Supposing he'd quit halfway through, you know, before the sockets and the pillars and the other things were put in. It would have been a complete mess, remembering that the tabernacle is a type of Christ. Uh, think about Solomon as he built that wonderful temple for the glory of God. Supposing he'd quit halfway through, it would have been a mess. You see, quitting is a bad testimony. When somebody says to me, oh, well, preacher, I used to be a Christian, but I'm not now. You know what that tells me? It tells me they weren't a Christian in the first place because there's no used to be Christians. We're either a Christian or we're not a Christian. But we shouldn't quit. Think about Jesus. One of the seven signs on the cross, remember, was it is finished. Just imagine if Jesus had quit before the plan of salvation had been completed. None of us would have had any hope at all, and we would have all gone to the lake of fire. You see, we're not to quit. So Paul says to Timothy, look, uh, this Christian life, he's saying to Timothy, it's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. To be a Christian, Timothy, you need some guts. You need some courage. You need some boldness. But continue anyway. Continue, folks. Make sure that those who follow you here at Bethel Free Baptist Church, that there's still an opportunity for them to come and worship the Lord in the next 80 years. Look at uh, another principle here in chapter 4 and verse number 2. Paul says to Timothy, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And here on your anniversary service as a church, and I know Pastor Curtis would agree with this, you need to pledge that the word of God will be preached here for the next 80 years. You see, you could perhaps uh, 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 encompass all sorts of entertainment. You could put a big sign outside of Bethel Free Baptist Church tonight and you could put on there healing meeting, dramatic things happening uh, and this place would be full. It would be just like shifting sand, folks. Just like shifting sand. You see, the way in which God builds a church, the way in which God saves a people, people, the way in which God keeps a church open is for the word of God to be preached. And so Paul says to Timothy, preach the word. Paul said uh, when he wrote to the church at Corinth uh, uh, that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that are lost, but to us who are saved, it is the power of God. It's the preaching of the word of God which will keep this church open over the next 80 years. Politics won't, folks. David Cameron or Ed Miliband, they won't keep the church open. The chances are much of these policies in this country are probably designed to close the church. 
in due course. Because people don't want anything to do with Christianity. But preaching the word of God will keep the place open. Entertainment won't. Newspapers won't. But the preaching of the word of God will stand firm and allow your pastor to preach. And as he preaches, soak that up each week. You are privileged. There are not many places. Let me tell you, my ministry stretches all over the UK. And there are fewer and fewer and fewer churches which now preach the word of God. And that's why there's more and more and more churches closing down. All across America, when I've been in churches across America, there are churches closing all the time in that country. Because even over there, they're moving away from preaching the word of God. And they're going into all types of things, and God says, that's it. You're just like a Laodicean church, you're neither hot nor cold. I'll ensure because you're a bad testimony, you're closed. But if you preach the word of God and allow your pastor to faithfully preach the word of God, this place will be open in 80 years' time. Two other things, and then we're finished here. Look at chapter two and verse number, uh, chapter four and verse number five. I want you to notice this. This is good advice to young Timothy, good advice for us on our anniversary service. Uh, uh, Paul says to Timothy here, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. And, and here Paul is saying to Timothy, and this is something we can take for ourselves on our anniversary service, pledge to watch and work for the next 80 years. When you were saved, you weren't saved just to put your feet up and to watch the television. You were saved to work for Jesus Christ. You were saved to put your back into working for Christ. There's no greater privilege than working for Christ. And you always say, you also saved to watch. He says, watch there in verse number five and work. Watch for Satan and his deception. That was a thought there. Watch for Jesus and his return. I'm so looking forward to Jesus coming back. The second coming of Jesus is mentioned 318 times in the New Testament. One in every 25 verses is about the second coming of Jesus. And constantly I'm watching for Jesus to come. That's the next event on God's prophetic calendar. There isn't another prophecy to be fulfilled uh, before Jesus comes back. It literally could be any time. I know we're looking forward to the anniversary meal, and I'm sure that some some of you ladies are good cooks, but let me tell you, if Jesus came back before that meal, I would prefer that because he'd take me to heaven and I'd see him face to face. But Paul says to Timothy, if you want to continue in your ministry, you need to watch for Satan's deception. You need to look out for Jesus' return. That's our hope, isn't it? Uh, in the book of Titus, chapter 2 and verse number 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a hope we have as Christians. Oh, we are so privileged as Christians. And then Paul says to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. All of us this morning should be doing the work of an evangelist. There may be somebody you're at college with who doesn't know Jesus. Tell them. There may be somebody at work who doesn't know Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them what he's done in your life. You know, the, the Bible says that we should boast on him. I love promoting Jesus. It's a great thing to do. So we should watch 
and we should work. And then finally, I'd like you to turn back to the first chapter here. This is very, very important if we're to keep this church going for the next 80 years. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 7. And Paul says here to young Timothy, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Oh, on our anniversary service, we need to pledge today, from this moment onwards and for the next 80 years, never again to be fearful as a Christian. Fear is one of the number one things which the devil will use to discourage you and cause you to fall out of the ball game. I want you to notice what Paul says to young Timothy here. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You see, in the Bible, fear and faith are incompatible. In the Bible, there's no need for a Christian to fear because we have victory through Jesus. We're overcomers according to the Scriptures. And in the Bible, God has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, let me tell you something, folks. The reason why you don't have to be fearful is according to the Scriptures, which we believe as a Christian, you as a Christian are actually normal. You as a Christian are actually normal. The Bible teaches, you see, that an unbeliever is abnormal. The reason being that God has made us a tripart being according to the Scriptures. He's made us body, soul, and spirit. If I were to go and stamp on my wife's foot now, the chances are she would yell and we would establish very quickly that she has a body. That's one part of our being. Our soul, according to the Scriptures, is that part, that immaterial part of us, which perhaps falls in love, which weeps when we lose a loved one. It's that abstract part of us which causes us to appreciate music. Uh, and, and art, maybe, in some folks. It, it's that part of us. So we're, we're body, we're soul, and then the Bible says that uh, we're also spirit. Now, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2 and verse number 1, Paul teaches there that we're dead in our trespasses and sins. So here was Colin Pavitt, you see, until he was 26 years old. He was an alcoholic, but actually he was only two-thirds alive because there was only my body and my soul operating, but I was dead in my trespasses and sins. My spirit was dead to the things of God. But the night I became a Christian on November the 30th, 1980, and I believed in Jesus, the spirit of God came into my heart and life. He regenerated me according to the Bible, he caused me to be born again, and now my spirit is alive so I can communicate with God. So now as a believer, I am three-thirds alive. Whereas before I was a believer, I was only two-thirds alive, and that was an abnormal condition. So you don't have to be fearful, you see, 
You don't have to listen to the professor. You don't have to listen to the right reverend, most holy reverend, whatever he or she calls himself. You don't have to listen to any of that. If you're a Christian, you're living a normal life, three-thirds of you are functioning, and with your spirit, you're communicating with God. If you were to go down, and you will be this coming Saturday, I think, into Birmingham City Centre, you'll walk down there, and you'll see a sea of humanity. Most of them are walking spiritual corpses because they're spiritually dead. But for you as a Christian, you're normal, and because God has given us a sound mind, according to this, just imagine that, a sound mind. You know, there's all sorts of nutcases walking the streets of Birmingham. There's people popping Valium and Librium, uh, and, you know, they walk around like zombies because they're drugged up to the eyeballs. But as a Christian, we have a sound mind. So we're normal, according to the Scriptures, and because we're normal, we do not have to fear. Isn't that great? It's wonderful. It's wonderful to be a Christian. If you're not a Christian here this morning, you need to become one, folks. You are missing out on everything I've spoken about this morning. Oh, the blessings of being a Christian are tremendous and a multitude. If you don't know Jesus this morning, you need to come down to the altar at the end of this message and Brother Steve will give you opportunity and make a profession of faith and ask Jesus to save you and make you normal rather than being abnormal. What the Bible teaches. Isn't it great to be right thinking? Isn't it great to be able to make the right decisions? And you see, as we're right thinking, as we're making the right decisions, all of that will contribute to keeping Bethel Free Baptist Church open for the next 80 years. If we had a bunch of abnormal people here who weren't saved, the place will close because they're not communicating with Almighty God in heaven. So, Paul says to Timothy, all of these ingredients, Timothy, to keep going. Firstly, good ingredients for us. Whatever you do, do not be ashamed of Jesus. Make a point to talk to somebody every day about Jesus. And even if you are a bit uh, reticent about that, God will bless that and you'll launch out. Uh, I used to say to the people in our soul and in Bible school in Corby, you know, if you go out door knocking, there isn't necessarily a monster behind every door. Some people do listen. Thank God for that. There's always people who are searching out spiritual things. So to keep this place open for the next 80 years, don't be ashamed of Jesus. Hold fast to the truth. Don't let some erroneous, heretical doctrine come into the church because it will divide and split the church. Hold to this book, the Word of God, the inspired Word of God. contains 332 prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus which were literally fulfilled in him. It's a mathematical impossibility, but with God, he specializes in making impossibilities possible. It's the word of God. Hold to the word of God. Make sure that you're strong in the Lord. You know, forget about the, the, the power pills and the pump in the metal. Uh, physical exercise profit a little according to the Bible. Concentrate on, uh, 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 on building up your spiritual muscles. And then study. So important we're called. Shun all that rubbish and those ungodly arguments, they'll bring you down. You never win people to Jesus by arguments. You do win people to Jesus by love. That's what the Bible teaches. And then continue. 
Oh, if it were in my power and I could come back in 80 years, Brother Steve, I would love to see this place still open. It won't be unless you follow some of these Bible principles. It will be if you do. The choice is yours. What a responsibility that is, that you have the future of many, many saved people in your hands to keep the place open. And then we're to preach the word of God. When Brother Curtis preaches up here sometimes, I can be sure, he hasn't told me, but I can be certain that sometimes he stamps on some of your toes. Sometimes there's things which he preaches about which you'd rather back away from. But he's God's man here. He has been for 20 years. Thank you for his ministry. And as he preaches the word of God and says, Thus saith the Lord, it's wise for you to listen, and it's absolutely foolish and stupid if you don't. And then we're to watch and we're to work. And if we can stay here for the next 80 years, boy, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Don't be fearful. You are normal. If you remember nothing else from this message, remember your unbelieving family and friends are abnormal, but you're normal because you're spiritually alive and you communicate with God. So let's continue to fly the banner for Jesus. Let's make sure the flag of Jesus keeps flying. He's the saviour of the world. We have the best news which nobody else has apart from those who are saved. And may it be that in 80 years' time, if Jesus hasn't returned and taken those who are saved to heaven, that this place is still open and maybe they can rejoice in the 160th anniversary of Bethel Free Baptist Church.